across East Cork and West Waterford. This is COI 104FM. And welcome back to Community Radio Yall. Um, my name is Gertrude Cotter and this is the, uh, you're listening to the Global Hub. It's the first time that you will have um, heard me here um, on Community Radio Yall at 7pm. I'm usually on at 3 in the afternoon. So um, welcome to any new uh, listeners that we have. Uh, the programme that I do um, is based on, uh, is on the theme of social justice, community development and global and local uh, human rights issues. Um, and of course with the um, upcoming election um, there will be many many local issues that we want to talk to at this current time and in today's program um, I'm delighted to um, welcome the um, people from the uh, Family Carers Ireland um, an organisation based in Cork um, which um, works with with family carers in Ireland and we'll talk to them shortly but first let's take a a piece of music Um, and the first song we're going to sing is is deportees, so we're going to listen to is deportees. Rot me the 
Deportees, and that was Deportees with the Wolf Tones. Beautiful song and beautiful melody. And with me, and welcome back to the programme, everybody. Uh, my name is Gertrude Cotter, and you're listening to The Global Hub. With me in the studio uh, this evening, um, I have the honour of having uh, a number of guests from an organisation working with family carers based in Cork City in Tucky Street. And with me in the in the studio are Mary MacDonald, Kitty O'Donoghue, Pat O'Mahony and Peter Cox. You're very welcome. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Gertrude. Thank we're delighted to be here. Thank you very much. Mary, will we start with you? Okay. Um, Mary, um, tell me, you're a family carer. You tell me a little bit about your, your personal story, um, why you're a carer, how long you've been a carer. And well, I'm <coughs> 78 years of age, so I'm an elderly family carer. And I have been caring for my daughter, Sinead, at home for the past 52 years. Sinead suffers from a very severe degree of cerebral palsy and um, she can do absolutely nothing for herself. Down through the years she has developed (coughs) a dislocated hip and a scoliosis and um, she is naturally wheelchair bound. Um, (coughs) I suppose I was only 24 years of age when Sinead was born. She was my first child. And it was a great, great shock, and it took a long, a lot of um, getting used to. Um, <coughs> oh God, to mm, you take there. your time. So um, I can imagine this just sounds like you know, f- fifty-two years of your life, Mary. And um, so uh, you were talking there about your your other children. Do you want to take a break a minute, and I can? Oh yeah, no, I'm all right. Yeah, I'm yeah. Be, uh, I know too. you've you've all been rushing in, and it's such a cold night out there. But um, Mary, you were talking about other children. Um, did um, your role as a carer impact on your family as a whole, on your other children? Or well, I suppose it did. But when I used to speak to them and still speak to them and ask them, you know, did it impact greatly on their lives? They said no. They appeared to take it in their stride. Mm. Of course, there were difficulties around going places because generally we had to choose places that were flat because we had a wheelchair. And um, I suppose the early wheelchairs weren't power chairs. They were the type that you push. And I suppose they, they weren't very sophisticated. But on the whole, we got on fairly well, you know, and they didn't. It didn't seem to present any great problems right. for the two boys. They sort of went to school. They did their own lives. They played games, and um, it all seemed to end up all right, you know. Yeah. And um, what changes would you see over the years, Mary, in terms of as a carer, and how have you seen things improving over the years? Uh, you're saying you're at this now, unfortunately, for you know, 52 years. Um, 
So what changes would you see for as for you as a family carer in that time? It's a long I, su- time. I suppose I'd see uh, changes <coughs> in in equipment and um, hmm. unfortunately due to austerity um, things have become very bad for some family carers, you know. Hmm. The services and supports are so poor that um, there have been lots of cuts as well as that people are unable to get um, funding say for um, <coughs> build, uh, building on or funding for um, Sure, yeah, so alterations. So funding for alterations. For alterations, you know? yeah. 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 I mean so fun, funding is huge and all the services have been cut yeah. since austerity kicked in. Yeah, and you would you really know? can see that difference, would you, in a day to day basis. Could you give me an example of Well, in my own case I'm quite lucky. Mm. I, I suppose being fifty two years at it, I have services and supports now coming into my house. But um <coughs> formerly I did have to fight. In my 60s, I had to fight for home health service. Mm. I wrote to the HSE and unfortunately things went mad. It's a huge bureaucratic um, body and um, it took us ten and a half months to get the actual service. People came out to our house from the HSE and they took us in and we had three meetings and that was all very upsetting and distressing. Mm. And finally, they did decide to give us was, um, the um, <coughs> service. Now, it was all such a waste of time and money, money because we had 14 people visit us in the house between nurses, social workers, and so on. And um, this, I mean, our child was had such a severe <coughs> handicap and she was well documented with the HSE. Yeah. It seemed to be an awful waste of personnel, waste, waste of time yeah. and so stressing and upsetting yeah. for us, yeah. you know. And for Sinead, for you and for, as a carer and, and for Sinead. Well, for me as a carer, so, I mean, Sinead would have taken it in her stride. I was the old dog's <laughs> body around, so as long as Sinead was well looked after. So you basically had 13 and, um, or 14 professionals in to assess the situation. To assess the situation. Yeah. And then we visited three... Um, um, personnel in 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 the HSE in Abbey Courthouse. They took us in three mm-hmm. times mm-hmm. to meet three executives yeah. around a table, right. and all of that was very very upsetting. Amazing. We had other instances too around fighting for services and supports. Um, Sinead is doubly incontinent, mm-hmm. and <laughs> when we lo- when she got a bit bigger, we had to look for a more absorbent nappy. Mm. And they put us through a terrible process. They refused to give it to us. They told us that we'd have to connect, collect all wet nappies over a weekend and that a nurse would come on, start on Friday, a nurse would come on Monday. We also had a fluids chart that we had to log all her intake of fluid. They took them away anyway. To um, We'd put them outside the door and they'd be collected. Mm. Now, my husband did say on the way out what he was going to do into them. But I sort of prevailed on him (laughs) not to do just that. (laughs) I won't give you the exact wordings of what he said. But anyway, he didn't do that. He took them. They took them all into the um, HSE and um, they weighed them and we failed the test. And we had to wait for a year and a half. I remember Peter bringing it up in Dublin at um, a pre-budget submission or something like that where um, carers told their story. And um, I remember bringing all that, uh, bringing that up and highlighting oh it, oh because goodness. it was absolutely 
ridiculous. It's extraordinary. And in more you recent know. times, um, you were talking about austerity. Uh, you know, have things like respite services been affected or oh, very in, in badly the recent service, past? Very badly affected. Mm. Um, ha- Sinead had respite with um, Cheshire Homes in Cork um, since uh, respite commenced in um, 1997. Mm-hmm. And um, every five times um, a year for two weeks she went into respite and that was a great help because I think all carers really need respite mm. particularly if you're um, caring at a very high level mm. but anyway carers generally need it because they're so um, stressed from dealing with bureaucracies and mm. all that sort of thing so um I've yeah, so, so you would, you were saying that the respite services um, have been cut back, and you've really seen. Well, that actually, recently. what happened at Christmas time? Yes, um, <clears throat> Sinead was going to respite on the seventh to the twenty-first of December, yeah. and um, a, a few days, about a fortnight before that, a nurse from Cheshire Home, the nurse manager, came to visit us at home to kind of talk about Sinead and review her situation. And um, there were others present to the um, home help organizer and um, um, <coughs> one of the organizers from the PA service and um, our public health nurse. And we just discussed in general Sinead and her needs and her respite and her, the services generally and were they adequate and all that. And um, <coughs> just I think about on the 1st of December, I got a message from the public health nurse saying, the respite had been axed for Sinead at Cheshire Homes. Yeah, this was the 1st of and December. That was the first I knew of it and she was to go in on the 7th. Okay. So mm. the reason it had been axed was that apparently there had been some sort of an assessment and um, HICWA had been in three times and they didn't have the level of nursing there. They were, had, they were short on nursing mm-hmm. to um, take Sinead on because they had to deal with their other residents. Mm-hmm. So what did so you do then? I wrote to the manager mm-hmm. and um, I asked her to give me reasons for why this happened mm-hmm. and pointed out that Jeanette had had it for so long since mm-hmm. 97 and the need for it and our need for it because we were elderly and all the rest of it and <coughs> she telephoned me back and I said I wanted a letter in writing to my complaints mm-hmm. and I'm still waiting for it so no she did send I sent her an email then saying again reiterating once again that I wanted the um, <coughs> letter in writing and she sent back an email saying that Cheshire Ireland were reviewing all the respite cases and that they felt that Sinead's <coughs> level of care was too high and that they wouldn't at this point and they didn't have the staffing levels and Hikwa were in repeating that again mm-hmm. and that um, at this point in time they wouldn't be facilitating her Okay, and is there so anyone where else then in Cork that you can avail of? No, well I wrote then to um, Michael Butler who is the um, disability man the HSE's disability manager in Cork mm-hmm. and um, I am awaiting a reply mm-hmm. to my letter, but I did find out from speaking with somebody else in the HSE that there are no beds mm-hmm. available to facilitate my daughter in her level of care, and okay. um, they're trying to do their best, okay. but so far there's no outcome okay. and there's no replies. 
to my letter, oh, right. my letters. So God, sounds like a, a, a that is all very, yeah. very stressful. Very, very stressful. You know, yeah, at, yeah. Uh, particularly when you're in elderly care. Yes. And it's very stressing too for Sinead because she has, as I said, been going there for so long and she enjoyed her time there. And she misses it and she wants answers. She Well, in answer, she wants to know mm-hmm. why she... Okay, thank you very it? much, Mary. That's that an extraordinary personal story and we might come back to you later in the programme. But okay. we just turn to Peter now. You mentioned Peter there, Mary. Um, Peter Cox, you are the um, manager at um, Family Carers Ireland but the Corp branch and... Um, you're here um, with members of your organisation. Could you just tell us a little bit about what you do as an organisation? First of all, Gertrude, I suppose just to thank you for having us on the programme. And I suppose in particular that just to thank the carers that are here tonight, because, you know, it's not easy for them to come on radio programme and people are not used to doing it to tell their story, you know, yes. for it. Um, you know, so I'm sure they are a bit nervous here mm. for it. But I mean, well done to, to them all. So far, anyway. so far, so good. Yeah. I suppose my my role is that I'm the area manager of the, the I suppose, the Family Carers Ireland now, which was formerly the Carers Association for it. And I suppose I have the privilege and honour of working with people like we have sitting around this table for, for the last number of years for it. And I can only say for me like it, that it has been a huge honour for it. Um, I suppose I see those people, I see people like Mary, who are 52 years you know, caring. And Mary is quite modest to the, I suppose, here tonight. But I mean, like, no one knows the amount of care that she has provided. And okay, she has got some bit of support in the past couple of years. But most people, I suppose, of Mary age, and I hope she don't mind me, me saying that, you know, would be now retired from work and probably, you know, enjoying life to, to, mm. to some degree. Mm. For it. So I suppose the Family Carers Ireland Association is an organisation that was formed about 25 years ago with a group of carers coming together for it. And they were particularly family carers, you know, and maybe we we might just say that, you know, for for the caring role, most of us will either provide care at some stage in our life or receive the care for it. But the unfortunate thing is that most people don't identify themselves as carers until that happens or until it becomes relevant to you, mm-hmm. you know, do, if a family member uh, needs care or if mother, uh, uh, an elderly father, or if a, ch- a child of special needs is brought into the family, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I suppose the caring role is often landed upon us, I suppose, without us knowing that or, you know, without us having a choice, you know, and mm-hmm. like, you know, for example, that if I was to go home tonight and my wife had a stroke when I were here, mm-hmm. I suddenly be, could, could become a carer. And where do I go and what do I do and who do I turn to? And this is, we'd like to think that as an organisation, that people who are in that situation would be able to turn to Family Carers Ireland. And within that organisation, I suppose that it would get some support for them as a carer. And I think just to remind people that a lot of areas of support are for the cared for person. And that's what makes us unique as, a, as an organisation, that, you know, our organisation is there to support the carer and support the, the family carer. OK. So what do you offer people? Um, you have, What kinds of services do you yeah. offer people? Well, I suppose just to say that while our office is based in Tucky Street in Cork, we provide services throughout the, the county and indeed we even provide ser- some services here in Yall. Mm-hmm. I suppose the... the the most practical support that we can give to people is our home respite support. And some families here in Yall receive that. Now, 
that support is there to give the carer a break and we have we imply a home care team to go into the home to allow that carer take a break for a couple of hours one day a week mm. the unfortunate thing about that is that you know the funding is scarce on that and we don't have sufficient funding to cover the demand uh, you know which we would love to but we have the home respite team and we try and spread it around the, the, the county for it um, within the organisation, again, I suppose we have the helpline that comes in to support family carers out there because we do find that for a lot of carers, I suppose the lack of information is a huge thing. The lack of information on entitlements and benefits. For it. Um, and, you know, we are a great country, I suppose, for saying to people there's leaflets on everything for us, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if you are in that situation, it's very hard to know where to turn to. And we would say to people, yes, we can help people with the form film. We can um, advise them on, on, on what to do. We can assist them. We can photocopy for them. Uh, you can We can fill out the, the, the forms for them. Mm. And for some people, it's very dramatic. The, the, it's a thing like the Cares Allowance form because it's 15 pages long. And, you know, in particular, if I'm an elderly person, mm. and I suppose we need to realise that there is a lot of elderly people out there looking after Elderly people, elderly people. Mm. and maybe people who didn't get the opportunity to be as well educated as mm. the young people of today mm. for it. Uh, so the format that can be quite daunting for mm. it. Um, we obviously set up support groups and we link into support groups and for a lot of carers and indeed for former carers, you know, and, and, and particularly I mentioned former carers here because, you know, after the caring role had end ends, it's often a quite difficult place for some carers to be. Uh, so they... I suppose, can enjoy the, the comfort of coming into a support group uh, of carers and they're in a place where people can empathise with each other. Also, I suppose, within that group, people are not judged there for it. Mm. And they, the common bond is that they're all carers, they're all family carers. They're mm. caring for a member of their family, whether it be an older member, whether it be a younger member, or whether it be a brother, sister, mother or father. For it. Um, uh, that alone, I suppose, it says, you know, around the carer to carer element of support for each other, because most people, you know, get that support from each other. First, they become friends, they share information, they share contacts, they, you know, they let people know where they get different things. For it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as well as that, I suppose we feel that, you know, there's an education and training program that we have that we can train carers. And train them in things like patient handling, like, you know, oftentimes carers will pull and haul people, lift people on, on beds and stuff like that, and maybe to the detrimental of their own health, you know. So we can provide training for them to, to just show them the techniques and how to make that a bit easier for them. Um, and we have a training office as well. We can also provide some commercial training for people who are interested in working in the healthcare sector for it. Um, obviously, Pamper Day is in the care line for it. And we often find that some people you know, who can't get out. And there is a problem with carers because they're often caught at home with no assistance to mind the the person they're caring for. So at least by the helpline coming in, uh, they can contact us by phone and we can advise them by phone and what to do. And sometimes people just want to um, someone to talk to. Okay. Well. Yeah. I mean, it's. I don't think an awful lot of people out there would be aware of that range of services, um, an extraordinary range of services um, that are out there. And um, you're also you, you're all around the country as well. Literally, not just Cork County, but all over the country. How many branches are there on the country? I mean, well, just to say, I suppose the recent uh, recently there was two organisations: the Carers Association and Caring for Carers Ireland. 
and both organisations has come together to form one organisation called Family Carers Ireland. So at this stage, that new organisation only came into being on the 1st of January 2016. So I think at this stage, we have a presence in most of the 26 counties. Okay, thanks, Peter. We'll come back to you later. But I think first, maybe we need a little bit of a break and we'll take uh, some music. We're going to... Mary, do you want to introduce um, Rini's song to us? Rini, unfortunately, couldn't be here tonight, so we're going to dedicate the song yes, to her. Yes, unfortunately, Rini can't be with us. So I'll introduce um, Trasna Nadonta. Thanks, Mary. The, yeah, so um, here we have Trasna and Adanta. The song she chose, the Irish song, song in Irish. Broadcasting to Yalltown and the surrounding rural area on 104 FM. You're in tune with Community Radio Yall. And you're very welcome back to the programme. This is Gertrude Cotter and you're listening to the Global Hub, the uh, programme that um, deals with um, community development, uh, human rights and social justice issues at home and abroad. And tonight we're, we're talking to um, the Family Carers Ireland. Um, we have um, with us in the studio uh, three family carers and a member of staff from that organisation. So um, let's talk now next to yourself, Kitty. You're very welcome and thank you for coming. 
Thank you, Gertrude. Hello, Kitty. So, Hello. Kitty, you were a carer for a very long time yourself. Yes. And could you tell me a bit about your own story of caring and, and where you are now? Well, uh, I was caring. My husband was diagnosed with diabetic six uh, months after we were married. So mm. I was caring for his situation for 44 years, really, all of our married life. But um, he worked for 50 years in the one job and had to very nice retirement and everything else but three years after his retirement he was diagnosed with Parkinson's and uh, that made a big change in our lives then because we had a new item to follow and to understand but um, there were several hiccups on the way but just to make a long story short he he, um, he kind of uh, got very ill towards the end and uh, because he had Parkinson's, they decided that he should be on antidepressants. So they insisted on giving him some. And he was never a depressed person. He was the most humorous sing-along person. He would never have been depressed at any stage. But anyway, they insisted because he had Parkinson's, it is known that they are supposed to suffer with uh, depression. And they put him on depress- antidepressants and they destroyed him. Mm-hmm. They, they, he, he just couldn't, he, he just couldn't cope with them at all, and um, it made matters completely worse. And in eleven weeks, they killed him. That so did. after, yeah. um, after eleven, uh, so after eleven weeks being on this medication, he actually died. He actually died. Yeah. 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 And you attribute that directly to the oh, medication I do. that he was I do, given. Yeah, yeah. So you think he was misdi- you, you, you believe, and he was misdiagnosed. And um, was anybody listening to what you were saying about this? No, they didn't want to hear. Yeah. 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 They didn't want to hear. They knew best. Yeah. They I knew, knew nothing. I knew him for forty-four years, and they didn't. They only just knew him for the last eleven weeks, and they still thought that they knew more. And is this something that you found a lot and, and uh, 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 you know, talking to other carers as well, this idea of not being listened to as a family carer? Yes, you're not listened to. You're, you're not. They, they think that you know nothing, no matter, mm-hmm. no matter how, how hard you try. And I, I begged of them to go off those, get them off those uh, tablets. And a few times I took them off myself. I wouldn't just give them to him. And um, he... Because he was in hospital, of course, you don't have control of, over all that. But I used to be in there every day and I used to keep, keep that tablet, particular ones that were for the antidepressants. I'd give him his other tablets, but not that one. And I told the nurse, too, he wasn't getting it. And um, they, they still, uh, he, he'd come along. He'd get start improving after about four or five days. And then they would suddenly put him back on the tablet again. Same one that he was they were turning him into a concrete block. You couldn't move him. Yeah. He was yeah. a person that was able to walk into the hospital. He was able to go to and fro to the bathroom and do everything. But they made him in such a situation. He was bedridden. You right. couldn't completely incontinent, doubly incontinent, actually. And um, he, you couldn't get him in or out of the bed. Very and he could do nothing story. for himself. It was yeah. shocking. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shocking yeah. what happened. So you, must, you must be very angry. Um, well, I, I had such arguments with these doctors that they insisted that they wanted to keep him on it. And uh, I, I, the, all they could say was like that it would take four to six weeks for him to adjust to that, mm-hmm. to, to the treatment. Well, I said, he'll be dead in four to six weeks. I said, at the rate he's going because he had went into the hospital at 12 and a half stone. And he in four weeks, he was out. He, he was down to eight mm-hmm. the rapid the rapid loss of weight was wicked mm-hmm. and um, I said that, that he wouldn't last if they he, was, he wasn't eating he wasn't drinking mm. and he was only getting sliding scale for to 
control the, the uh, diabetes and everything else. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just wasn't working, so they just ignored and kept on with the head in the sand their yeah. way, yeah. nothing so else. What would you like to say to the, you know, the health service or the medical people? Uh, I'd like to, I'd like to think that they wouldn't, that they wouldn't do that to another person. Yeah. That anybody else wouldn't suffer in that way, mm-hmm. and I'd like to think that they'd listen to the people who who knew the per- the patient best better than they did. Because mm-hmm. I'd lived with it for forty four years. I knew the type of person he was. Mm-hmm. I knew he was never depressed. Mm-hmm. And I mean, any one of us would be a bit depressed if we, if you're feeling sick, if you're feeling down, you know, you'd feel down. But you that wouldn't mean you were depre- depressed, a depressed yeah. person. Yeah, so you know, you it didn't warrant these heavy drugs. Yeah, yeah. You know, so Kitty, forty four years of marriage. It's yeah. a long time, um, longer we had than good many times have. too. I must say, we you, had very good times. You had fantastic times, and we had lovely yalls, uh, holidays here in Yall a few times. Did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was very popular at one stage yeah. for holidays, wasn't well, it? Well, there was yeah. one time when he, for a period, he was in a wheelchair because he had a very bad leg leg ulcer, and uh, we used to always come to Yall here, and we used to take an apartment, one of the Strand Palace Palace. Really? Apartments over, okay. and it was brilliant because you'd run into rolling out the door and you were at the sea. Fantastic! You yeah, ran onto yeah. the pram and you could walk for ages. And God. he could yeah. sit there and enjoy the sunshine, and I could go and walk or have a swim or whatever. And, and I, I believe you've travelled an awful lot together as well around different parts of the world. We did, yes. Mm-hmm. He was. We. I took him to Canada in two thousand and eight mm-hmm. um, on a wheelchair. <laughs> Only a mad woman or two. But I'm just thinking, when 44 years and like uh, you know a lifetime and a fantastic relationship, obviously, and, and then all of that awfulness at the end. So what do you do afterwards? I mean, there must be many ca- people who are you know after. I suppose what happens to carers afterwards? You know, that's, that's so you, the big first problem. of all, you've obviously bereavement. Yeah, but yeah. What's that like for well, people? Well, for one thing, you've you've lost somebody you loved. Mm. So it's very hard to get over that to begin with. You don't sleep. You don't, you know, you, you're, you're just doing things because you have to do them. You don't, you don't get up with an intention of doing anything for the day. You're, you're, you're just lost walking around in a trance, really. But, and of course, with the ending he had, I had a lot of anger to, to deal with as well, you know. So that, that was made it very, very hard. But... Um, I, I seem to have got a letter from the Carers Association say, telling me that there was a computer course going inside in their office and I made inquiries about it and I joined it anyway and that's really what brought me back on my feet again. I went in and I did the course and then I was encouraged to join the the um, meeting every, the support group. Support group, yeah. 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 Mm. And I did get on very well with those and I liked the company and mm-hmm. all that. And uh, I got a bit of a holiday in uh, Valley Bunyan <laughs> with some of them. So I knew so who I was going with. And, you know, that's yeah. that's the big thing, like when so, when your partner in life dies. <clears throat> yes. Where do you go? Mm. Everywhere you go, you're on your own, totally mm. on your own. If you go to a wedding, you might have all your relations around you, but you're still on your own. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose you're with people then in the association, which, you know, they know what you're talking about because there's a, speci- a specific... They do, uh, um, There's yeah. a specific thing, I suppose, around caring as well as being bereaved. So there's a kind of the whole world of caring and understanding one another is in there as well as the bereavement. That was the most, the best mm. part of it mm. because everybody that was there, they were on in a similar boat to yourself. Yeah. And yeah. they understood 
what I was going through and, and it was easy to talk to them then whereas yeah. you couldn't talk to the people on the street because they'd start running away from you they'd, they'd get bored with you Yeah. so you know? I, I like the fact that we started with uh, Tresna Down to, and which talks about slowness and lesh and weakness um, which is goodbye to the loneliness and it sounds like that's something that you got out of meeting with meeting, other people yes. with the yes. similar situation yeah, yeah. Okay, Peter thank you Kitty and Peter we'll come back to you there um, in terms of you know I suppose you have a national strategy don't you as an organisation would you tell me a little bit about what you're looking for there yeah I suppose just to say that one of the things that we lobbied very strongly for over the years was for the carers national strategy and that strategy was published in 2012 but one of the problems was at that time then we we hit the recessionary times and the strategy was never implemented for it so I suppose within an election coming up, we are calling on, on government to at least implement some of that strategy for us because for carers, it would have a huge input because one of the problems with family carers at the minute is that there is no legislation and there's no rights for the family carer or, or very little. And we felt that if we had legislation, you know, it would give... A, the carers some rights. It would give them some recognition for the wonderful work that they that they do for it. And I suppose we have to recognise that family carers, by keeping people in their homes, saves this state billions of pounds every year for it. And really, if family carers down tools in the morning and said, look, we're no longer going to look after our family member, the state can take them in and look after it, it would bring the country to its knees. And that's the reality of the, of the situation mm. for it. So, like, the strategy, I suppose, would look for things like proper community supports for carers. You know, it would look for a, a rights-based assessment for the carer and the cared for. It would have an assessment in place where someone would go in, they would look at the home as, I suppose, a mini hospital, you know, for the carers providing and look at all aspects of care for it. Because I suppose a lot of us, unless we're in that situation, don't realise the amount of care, you know, because family carers, I suppose, their doctor, their nurse, their friend, mm. their neighbour, to the person they're, they're looking after for it. You know, like they're caring between personal care, between recreational care, you know, uh, then there's the practical care around the shopping and the, the household duties that that are to be done as, as well for it. So they have a huge amount of, of work for it. Um, and it would look at assisting them in, that, in doing that work and allowing them to keep the, the person at home. For it. And one of the things I suppose that, that we are particularly looking for is that, you know, whoever goes into government in the next election, that they would seriously look at that uh, strategy and seriously take parts of that strategy and implement it to give the recognition that's deserved by family carers throughout the country. Like we've, we've 260,000 carers in, 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 in the country. We have 20,000 carers in Cork City and County. Um, you know, and that's not forgetting the amount of young carers who in the last census declared themselves as carers as well. And a lot of time, you know, the young carers would need huge supports as well because if they're in that caring role, and yes, we have seen research to discover that children as, as young as 8 and 11 year, years of age are providing care. And if that child is providing care at that age, can, it can only you can't hardly imagine what they're losing out on between school and pals and, you know, recreation facilities and stuff like that. You know, and like in particular with, with young carers, they often get caught at home 
for it. And it is very hard to identify young carers because a lot of okay. times, you know, like the person who they're caring for don't want or, you know, maybe embarrassed a bit about saying that they have a child looking after them. For yes. Yeah. You know, so like that's and obviously there's other implications around that with social workers and stuff like that as so well. You see people at different stages of life. So younger people, middle aged people, people at different stages of different needs and different issues that come up for them, I suppose, Absolutely. at different times. Yes. Uh, and they're all important. And um, I suppose you've also got male carers. We'll, we'll talk to Pat later on. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> and you've got, you know, Male and female um, carers. So, um, so why has uh, the strategy was um, kind of brought in and twenty twelve? Did you say July twenty twelve? Right, yeah. And why, why hasn't it been implemented in the last? Or what happened? Well, at the time, I suppose the country went bust and the recession hit, and the government at the time, I suppose, were saying that they hadn't got the resources to implement the strategy. But and as an organisation, I suppose you know we said, well, look, you know there was there was things in that strategy that wasn't going to cost money for it, you know, that was already there, but would, that could be implemented. Mm-hmm. And, and that didn't happen for it. Mm-hmm. So I suppose now we're really saying we now want it implemented over the next three or four years. And not only do we want it implemented, that there's an expectation that government would put funding into that to, to assist it to be implemented and, and properly imp- implemented, you know. Yeah. And we are saying that, look, you know, if it's government uh, policy to keep people ap- at home, and I think we'll all want to be kept at home, you know, like, you know, if we, if we, if we in the care for position, you know, at any stage of our life, then we need to put, for example, the, the resources within the community to do that. We need to put the supports and adequate supports within the community to allow that to happen. We need to look at the respite services, the home health services, you know, the home care package services. We need to look at resi- residential care, day centre care. For We need to look at what's there in, in, in the community mm-hmm. that can assist us for it. And that's the only way that it, it can be done for it. And I mean, you know, we have what's known as the fair deal which is uh, uh, I suppose a system to allow payment for nursing home care you know and why can't that same system be used in the community you know why haven't we a fair deal to allow people keep people in their homes to provide a service I just want to say that you know that the fact remains that there is 168 hours in a week and we forget about that. So family carers are carrying 168 hours. So if someone gets home help for four hours, it's very little time out of 168 hours. Mm-hmm. For it. Um, so in conclusion there, Peter, can we say that what you're looking for, correct me if I'm wrong, is a fair deal within the home, home and in the community? Yes, yes. Yeah. Would yes. that sum up what you're saying? That would sum up what you're saying. For okay. And I think, you know, I mean, again, just would, I suppose, maybe the election coming up that, you know, I'd say to, to, to carers out there, you know, talk to your politicians, you know, um, let them see the work that you're doing. Identify yourself as a carer when, when they come around for it. You know, ensure that, I suppose, you know, if the care strategy was implemented, you know, carers probably wouldn't have to suffer financial difficulty for their caring role. Because in a lot of cases, you know, that, that there is the cost of care is so high that, you know, people are often left financially embarrassed after that. And, and I believe that that shouldn't happen. You know, I mean, if carers are providing this service in their home, they are keeping people at home. And we all keep people at home because we love them or whatever the case may be for it. But we do need the supports for it, around okay. that for it. Right, we'll come back. Let's yep. take a little bit of music now again. And um, I think we're, Kitty, you're introducing the next song, which is... It's Bantry Bay. Why? 
because I was born and reared in Bantry. Beautiful. Okay, so have yeah. a, let's have a listen to a little bit of Bantry Day. <coughs> I'm sitting here alone in the gloaming It might have been but yesterday That we watched the fisher sails all homing To the little In the fisher girls with baskets of swinging came running down the old stone way. Every lassie to her sailor lad was singing a welcome back to back. the pro uh, beautiful and you're welcome back to the program and um, my name is Gertrude Cotter and you're listening to the Global Hub and tonight we're talking about um, family carers and the issues that affect many 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 people around this country and let's talk now to yourself Pat um, Pat O'Mani um, you're a male carer um, mm. tell me your own story yeah well basically male carers I suppose we're, we're sort of very hidden but there are a lot of us there I think about 40% of carers are male carers family carers Basically, I was a happy-go-lucky young lad and my heart was won over one night by a lady who sang for her supper and got it. <coughs> and um, she'd been singing in a local bar and, uh, you know, she was walking with a walking stick and I thought maybe sprained ankle or whatever. What I didn't realise at the time was, was that my uh, wife, Margaret, um, basically had been a polio victim, gotten polio when she was five months old and uh, had overcome the the disease to the point that she was walking with a walking stick. So, as they say, love jumps up and it bites you in the ass. And um, we ended up getting married. 
four children and 10, 12 years after we got married, um, Margaret started to lose movement in her arms. I, sh- I should point out that Margaret was and had been all of her life. Her upper body strength was incredible uh, to compensate for the, the loss of the use of her legs. And um, we then learned uh, through our own research, through trial and error, through actually listening to a radio programme, that there was a thing called post-polio <coughs> syndrome, which in simple terms meant that polio can come back and what it didn't get the first time, it will take the second time. And all the muscles in her body were starting to break down. Now, at that stage, we had four young children. The eldest were about 10, maybe 11. The youngest was about six. And uh, as was mentioned here earlier on, I suppose in some ways, you know, uh, when you sort of, we drifted into the into the role of caring. But in the midst of it, you know, you, you, you learn to sort of adapt and overcome your basic instincts, cutting and so forth. And what I would say is, is that apart from myself caring for Margaret and looking after a family, our four children from the age of five or six up actually became carers <coughs> looking after and helping their mum. Um, and, you know, it, it went on from there to the point where in the late 90s I had a family, I had children, and it wasn't working because Margaret was getting worse. So... I had a situation of either stay working and leave family life go downhill and children and everything suffer or stop working and stay home to look after Margaret, which is what I did 20 years, nearly 20 years ago now. And hey, um, Pat, well, it's, uh, it's, it's lovely to hear the, the background story. <coughs> and, uh, again, it's that sense of, uh, uh, you know, so a whole lifetime, isn't it, together like, like the other ladies here. And just at the moment, because we've only got a few minutes left, but I'd li- like to give you the opportunity to just some of the key points that you'd like to make um, about being a carer and a male carer, perhaps. Just right now, you're a carer still. And what are some of the things, again, that you really would like to say to, to either to the public or to um, politicians? What I would like to say is, is that, as has been shown by the previous people that spoke here tonight, my compatriots, that family carers provide a level of care that even, you know, even our better institutions can't provide for the person, for our loved ones. Uh, We've had family carers where if the carer ended up in hospital, I I know of one instance, a lady who was actually semi in a wheelchair, looks after her mum. But if she has to go to hospital, they need three fully qualified nurses on eight hour shifts to look after her mother. She's being looked after by a lady in a wheelchair. So we provide a level of care that it can't be understood unless you actually live it. Every carer (coughs) and the person we care for they're all different, you know, there are different levels, there are different degrees of severity uh, and so forth. But one of the things that all of us, that happens with all of us is, is because of the way the economic situation has been and austerity, we live in fear. We live in fear of what tomorrow is going to bring, uh, another stroke of the pin. Ash will cut this, that's only a minor cut. To the person that's maybe on a hundred or two hundred thousand a year, it might be only a minor cut to them, but to us, it could mean the difference between our sanity and continuing doing what we're doing. 
Very on that very strong point um, and very important point. We'll come back to yourself, Peter. Uh, we have uh, about two minutes left. Uh, what are the key messages of, of uh, Family uh, Carers Ireland? Um, I think, first of all, to remind people that they have one very important thing, and that important thing is called a vote. You know, and not only have you a vote, but members of your family and relatives would have a vote. Uh, I think the big priority is the national strategy and to ask the candidates when they're coming around to implement the national strategy. I think as well as that is to create awareness around um, carers and ask those elected politicians to be champion for carers in the in the future, you know, and to become aware of the work that, that, that people done to protect young carers and to ensure that their future is safe. And I suppose to make sure that carers are not financially or su- su- suffer financial hardship because of the caring role. And I say one last thing, to make visible the invisible. To make visible the invisible. Okay. So, guys, I'd like to thank you all so much for, for coming in um, this evening. On a, um, all the ways up from Cork to you all on uh, quite a cold day to make some very, very powerful points, which I'm sure many of our listeners can really relate to. And there are so many carers out there. And as you said, um, all of those carers together um, are a very important uh, group of people in our society. And there's a lot of them there. So thank you for making those very, very, very powerful points and sharing your very personal stories. And um, so thank you. Um, and before we go, I'd like to um, um, pass you over now again to Pat, who's going to introduce his um, piece of music uh, by Black. Uh, basically, it's uh, sadly Black passed away there in the last few weeks, and uh, it's a well-known song. And uh, I just think it's it's poignant, and um, I just hope you listeners will enjoy listening to it. And thank, thank you, you for having much. us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Okay, so um, just to say goodbye and to say thank you again to everybody for listening. If anybody does want to contact um, Family Carers Ireland, um, you can Google their website, Family Carers Ireland. Um, They also have a Facebook page and there's also a helpline number, which is very easy to find if you just Google um, um, or get somebody to help you to do so. Um, And I'd like to thank um, our carers here tonight again, Peter Peter Cox from the the staff person and the manager in the area in the Family Carers Ireland, Mary MacDonald, Kitty O'Donoghue, Pat O'Mahony. Um, thank you for coming. And I'd like to thank Sean Roach for helping out here in the studio. Um, so, And I'd like to thank you, our listeners. Um, uh, thank you for listening. I look forward to um, being here again with you next week. So bye for now. <laughs>